Welcome to the Go Well podcast. This is Kate Mercer and today I'm talking with Dean Mile, who is the founder, director and a practitioner of Path of the Horse. Dean uses the EPI model at the Path of the Horse, which is a holistic equine psychotherapy and experiential learning model. At the Path of the Horse, they aim to assist people of all ages and from all walks of life who seek better mental health and well-being. Their work helps people become more self-aware aware about themselves and enables them to make clearer choices about their lives. Further, the work with horses helps heal, manage, build resilience and means after people leave they can often enjoy improved relationships and maintain better mental health. Horses have an amazing ability to release stress and a truly unique capacity to share their empathy with humans. They never judge, they are completely honest and are our much-loved assistants in the healing process. They are great listeners too. Welcome to the show, Dean. Uh, good morning, Kate. Good morning to your listeners. Yeah, thanks so much for joining me because we haven't had you on the show. Just, I think it's almost a year, you know, since you're on the show talking about Path of the Horse. Oh, wow. It doesn't time travel fast. Yeah, amazing. So for people who haven't heard of Path of the Horse before and equine therapy, I think, or horse therapy, um, I guess, can you just uh, describe the sort of work that you do out there and, you know, what you're doing during COVID as well? Yeah, well, we're still open during COVID, so we're deemed an essential service, Um so equine therapy, I mean equine and therapy, equine being horse, therapy being horse, people mistake it. So no, you're good at working with horses and helping them through problems, and that's true, but uh, it's really that work with people, with uh, horses as assistants. So if you can imagine traditional therapy work, um, we do it outside in a non-clinical environment, and we have people meet our horses in a way that's safe and comfortable for them, and yeah, it's just amazing what can come up. It's, sometimes it's finding, usually finding a, a beautiful sense of calm. So if we have people that are working with anxiety, depression or trauma, sometimes that intervention uh, amongst the horses can be just beautiful. It can be a lovely place to start to learn to self-regulate again and, and to manage it. And then we, we sort of do the, the talk work as well, bringing awareness around people's issues and trying to, to help them through it. Yeah, I was just actually thinking of, you know, taking myself into that paddock with the horses and what that might be like for a person who's got anxiety or something like that. And I imagine it would be feeling that they're in a bit of a safe place there, do you think? I mean, sometimes humans can be pretty frightening, can't they? They can be. (laughs) It's interesting. Like, people come from all walks, walks of life. I do a lot of work with veterans and first responders with post-traumatic stress and with their families, you know, helping reconnect again and do those sort of things. But, um, yeah, the horses can be intimidating for people. So I've always got to be mindful of that. It's always everything we do is an invitation. Oh, would you like to meet them over the fence? Would you like to mm. meet, them, meet them in the paddock? You know, everyone's so different. Um, mm. And sometimes a lot of themes can come up around fear. Mm. Um, people really often don't feel safe. So, yeah, it can be lovely work. Just, yeah, lovely work. We're all different. Mm. And, you know, so you yeah, can't say working with someone with autism gives me a, a real guide. It's who they are that I want to know. It's the same for everyone. So every session is different. Mm. And the way we go about it, depending on how the client's feeling and, what they feel safe and comfortable with. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also, yeah, it's interesting you bring up the fear of a, of a horse because they are so big. I remember when I was a young girl, I used to 
ride horses a lot, but I think I was actually scared of them. Uh, and I think I probably still am in a way, just because they're so big. Um, and sometimes you sort of stand in front of them and look at them, you know, I'm never quite sure which eye to look at. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There you go. Okay, so. okay. Just, just know that they've got both eyes on you. <laughs> so yeah. horses need to know they're safe. So the first thing that they that they will do is check in that the the human or humans that are around them, because pre-COVID we did a lot of group work, is is that the horse is safe. They live in a lovely state of constant awareness, not hypervigilance. And if they think they're going to be attacked and they hear a noise in the bush and don't see what it is, they'll bolt. You know, their flight instincts kick in and then they'll stand back, uh, they'll get clear of it, they'll herd around Badger, the herd leader, and, and, you know, 30 seconds later they'll go back to grazing. So they go from, oh, we're going to die, to, oh, everything's fine and we graze. Yeah. But in between that, they use their breath to self-regulate their nervous system, which is beautiful, you know, to hear them, you know, run away from danger even though it might be an innocent little wallaby in the bush, hmm. um, they let a lovely, long, soft out-breath go. And that's often the inspiration for a lot of our work uh, introducing mindfulness. Oh, that's and teaching people how to use mindfulness practice to self-regulate their own nervous system, and that's a game-changer. It's so important. That sounds amazing, actually, just, just you talking about that. Wow, that's incredible. So, so what sort of things? How can people come out there? They can come out there as an individual or as part of a group. Can they just go onto your website and say, "Hey, I'm feeling a bit anxious. Can I come out?" And how do they? How do, what's the process? Um, well, we can contact them in lots of ways. I refer people to our website, which is www.pathofthehorse.com. If you do a Google search of Path of the Horse, will come up and it's got our contact information. I always prefer a call um, so that I can get a feel for what what's needed, you know, what mm. sort of supports we can give, the sort of things people are battling with because I've got 11 different personalities amongst that herd of horses. <laughs> and, you know, someone's uh, fearful of horses, I'll get a real slow horse, uh, a bit of a snuggler maybe up the first time and they can sort of introduce themselves that way because I've got most of my horses are unwanted or rescued horses. So just like us, they're shaped by their lived experience. Mm. And, and you know, how they react to us is, you know, shaped by the lived experience. So you meet someone for the first time, you want to you know you're safe. So your awareness keeps you safe. Uh, we feel it, they feel it, but um, then we sort of explore what connection is possible. And, you know, when people come and say, oh, I'm scared of horses, you know, I hear so many. I was on a school camp, and I got bit, bucks thrown, you know, the horse bolted, mm-hmm. all those sort of stories that have sort of prejudiced the way people feel. Yet they're out there, um, and they come and explore the work. No one leaves with a fear of horses. <laughs> I've never had anyone leave with a fear yeah. of horses there relationship and thinking's changed, but we're not we don't do ridden work. I think, Kate, that's real important that yes, um, yes. for us to offer a mounted session there'd have to be a real therapeutic benefit. And that could be trust or it could be building confidence. We've got a, a lovely horse out there, George. He's the world's laziest horse. <laughs> so if anyone wanted to, to to have that experience and go, I'm frightened but I'd like to lean into fear. It's a theme that it worries me, and often people feel frightened, but never really question whether they are safe or whether they're not. So, you know, 
in that sense, we might do amount of work, but it's all on the ground. It's relational mm-hmm. um, work. You know, some horses are a little, little more worried. They've been through trauma, and humans represent the traumatizer. So we, we sort of they're really interesting, fascinating creatures to work with. And that way, you know, things and patterns in our lives that don't serve us well can emerge, and and we can inquire into that and work with people to really understand it and start their road to recovery. So, Dean, can you um, talk to us about each of the horses' personalities? That'd be great. <laughs> well, what a mixed bag. So I'll start with my two most traumatised horses. Um, both of them were in really bad condition, particularly mentally. They had been physically abused. So if you deal with a horse that's lost trust, um, just like a human, it can take a lot of careful time to rebuild trust again. So we've got Bear and Tex. Um, Bear's a lovely quarter horse, the most beautiful nature. When I saw him, even though he's in really in a really bad way, he wanted to trust, you know, so he's a beautiful boy. You know, it took a long time to be able to touch him, and uh, now he tries to lick you to death. So anyone who comes with face moisturiser on, be warned that he will try to lick you, <laughs> which is a lovely sign. It, you know, if he can trust you and feel safe, you've got to do the work. Texas is a, a beautiful paint horse, one blue eye, one brown. Um, been through a lot of trauma, but he's, yeah, he's come such a long way. We've got Bella Montana there, six years old. They've been with me since they were babies. Um, they'll never, ever be ridden horses. I'd never risk the relationship I have with that horse which based on trust. And her no is her no, and I respect that, and she respects mine. And as soon as I train her, if I was to train to become a ridden horse, I change that relationship, and she's just too beautiful to change that with. Badger, our herd leader, we talked about uh, Georgie, the world's laziest horse. Mm-hmm. I think Montana, the little, the little filly, well, she's six now, I keep thinking of her as a baby. She's definitely the world's most kissable horse. Um, <laughs> loves being groomed. Her and her soul sister, Belle, have been together since our babies out there. They love being groomed and touched and pampered. <laughs> They're really gorgeous. Um, so we have Cruz, big blue-eyed quarter horse chestnut. Really easy-going personality, but takes a while to, to, to get someone's trust or to, to trust people. Um Little Jesse, we've got a Palomino quarter horse. His personality type would be best described as that kid at school that puts the band, rubber band in the back of everyone's head. He can, <laughs> he can be too snuggly. He'd rather be with us inside on the couch than with the herd. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a favourite to work with. Um, I'm trying to think who else I'm on. Oh, Big Nova, which is a Belgian quarter horse. She, a, a Belgian draft horse. She used to work at Carl Castle doing jousting. She's a massive big girl, and uh, but steady ass and very slow, you know. She's just, yeah, she's a bit of a lady, I reckon. We've got the lovely Grace, who's about seven, and she's a black quarter horse. Not particularly interactive, very much her own horse and her own personality, and she can be a bit standoffish, but often people are drawn to that. They might say, ah, oh, I see Grace over there on her own. I feel like that sometimes. Mm. I'll go and say hi, go and check in and see what's possible between you two. Mm. Um, yeah, so the personalities are all just incredibly different. As I said before, like us, we're shaped by our lived experience and so are they. So, mm. you know, we had our good days and bad and so do they. Mm. So it's, a, yeah, an interesting mix amongst them all. Mm. I love them all. Mm. 
Okay, so thanks for talking about those beautiful horses. And um, so what about, can you just talk a bit about uh, some of the people, I guess, that you work with? Uh, you've mentioned, I know you do quite a bit of work with veterans, but also with trauma, even women with yeah. some domestic violence, whatever you'd like to talk about yeah. as an example today. Yeah, well, it's like, you know, trauma is such a terrible thing for someone to endure. And we all experience it very differently and hold it in our bodies very differently. Um, and none of us are the same. So there's no one script, but there are some fundamental methods that I rely on. The first thing, I'm not interested in plunging into trauma. And I won't plunge anyone into trauma because it can be unsafe, overwhelming and actually do harm. And that's the very last thing that we would ever want to do. So we take it slow. You know, I want to get to know someone. What are the good things in their life? What resources them? Um, what's their ability to self-regulate their nervous system? And I had to find that out myself. I suffered from post-traumatic stress as a, a young man and... Um, it took a long time for me to work it out. But when I when I learned mindfulness, I'd say that was the game changer. It equipped me with a toolkit to come back to the here and now. So I love working with mindfulness practice and if people are open to it, and I initially wasn't, I think I was the worst student of all time. Thought it was all rubbish. But when I finally got it when I needed it, it brought me back to the here and now instead of the there and then or the anxiety or the hypervigilance mm. I was experiencing. So I want to work with that first and foremost, and building resilience and processing trauma is important, but we want people to be able to manage. You know, come to us, let us teach you, let us let us work on self-regulation in a way that's good for you, that works for you, and then you'll find that being able to then process trauma, be able to sit with feelings that are uncomfortable a lot easier, and we learn to sit with the discomfort, know our triggers, and just honour them. Notice our anger, which might come up and go, it's okay, it's there for a reason. But I'm going to just breathe and I'm going to respond. I'm not going to react. Separate the anger, the valid emotion of anger from the response, um, but honour it. You know, I, I used to get angry when I was a young man and uh, I hated it. And, yeah, it's, it's only through I work with a, with a therapist at the time that said, look, your anger's valid, it's fine. It's got a reason for being there. Choose, choose on how you respond. Slow down. Put that pause in place. So those sort of skills become very important. But we'll process trauma. I've sat with many people from childhood developmental trauma to veterans from Afghanistan that have been the first on the scene to a, a massive explosion in a school. You know, you're talking about so many varied experiences. None worse, none better. Our own journey's our own. So, yeah, we do work with a lot of a lot of trauma work and horses are so beautiful at helping people find calm. You know, Kate, sometimes people come out and they'll find that calm and you will feel it and you will see it and you just let it continue and they'll say things like, I forgot what calm was. Mm -hmm. I forgot that feeling. I forgot that beautiful emotion that goes with being calm and, and what a lovely way to then start helping them learn to manage their life better and build resilience. Wow, you described it so well, Dean, actually. I hope a lot of people listening in can really get that. And, you know, I mean, I'm lucky enough to have been out to your property so I can sort of take myself out there as you're talking, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, 
it's a uh, very special animals are so special but uh to they're them they're great assistance case they really are yeah and i just might say too working with women um you know as a older sort of alpha male rough around the edges looking kind of bloke be really conscious sometimes of what i can represent to to someone else you know particularly if it's someone who's been a victim of domestic violence at the hands of a man you know um and it's always, yes, always check in with that and check what that's like. And so often they'll say, well, you know, I can't trust men and it holds me back so much in my life. And I said, well, what's it like to be with me? And they'll say, well, I hope you're safe. I think you're safe. And it's a good place for me to start to work on that theme. And what a privilege, you know, yeah. for me to, mm. to be trusted. Mm. And, uh, and some of my longest clients have been women have been through um, complex uh, childhood trauma and, um, and, and assault at the hands of men, and men who have been assaulted at the hands of men. So mm. that mm. is something I'm really mindful of as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and of course on the weekends we work a lot with kids. They all come with all sorts of labels, Kate, autism, ADHD, and... Mm. Oppositional defined to sort all these labels, which are necessary, I suppose, to diagnosis and support. But mm. oh, I just want to know who Robbie or mm. Karen is. You know, when they come on the weekend, oh, what's going on? You know, what can we yeah. do that might help you work on confidence building? Or they've been bullied and finding a voice and getting a sense of themselves with some confidence. So yeah. that's equine. Uh, that's the experiential learning component. It's so good for a lot of kids. So, uh, yeah. yeah, again, love that word. Yeah, I'd say the kids would, would absolutely love it. And as you, and um, just to remind again everybody that it's it's actually not about riding the horse. You actually don't sit on the horse at all. You're just actually with them, aren't you? You're just actually in the, in the paddock and letting things come up as they come up, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Karen, who works with us on the weekend, she works predominantly with children, Karen Jones. She'll say... You know, you have to come out at least six times and build that relationship with a horse before you get on it because we're all about seeing the horse as an equal being and respecting its yes, respecting its no, learning to communicate, you know, with unspoken words and mm. through your bodies as they do. And, you know, it's that's the core work. That's the core learning um, of how we are in relationships. It's sort of shines a light on how we are with others, be they people or, mm. or animals. So there's a lot to be learnt mm. um, with the relationship with a horse. Yeah, Silver Brumby Trail Rides. If you want to go trail riding, go there. But um, we're definitely not the place for that. It yeah, works so different. It's really good to hear you explaining all of this because sometimes you can talk about these things till the cows come home, but... Uh, well, to me, what you're saying, yeah, there's there's a lot that we can experience without words, and this is a good way to really get that reflected back at you, isn't it? Yeah, well, a big part of my job is watching what we call a phenomenology of what's going on. When, when someone goes out, they're working with me, they might say, oh, I might invite them, say, look, I brought four horses up. And I want to invite you in a way that's safe and comfortable, you just to go out and meet them. In your own time, I can come in with you, I can wait here, or we can do it on one side of the fence. But as you approach each horse, just really notice carefully what's happening with the horse. How is it responding to you and checking on what's happening to you? 
And you sort of watch people who go about and they'll meet all the horses. One might walk away. You'll just notice that one might be very possessive and not want to let any other horses near them. They just adopted them and said, you're with me. <laughs> they do that a lot. Or as in the case of last week, we had a young girl, uh, 13, and she was really battling uh, with eating disorders and she sat on, the, on a log just in the middle of a sandy arena and Montana, world's most kissable horse, wanders over and stood with her, put her chin just on her head, not oh. resting the weight, just touching. Wow. And I, and I stood back and just obviously carefully watched, was the young girl okay? And there were a few tears there, but they were... I thought, oh, well, let them go. I'll just sit with that. Let's see what happens. And Montana just didn't leave her. And, you know, we're able to talk in later about what she experienced, what came up, you know, what did that mean to have that horse just so gently stand with her, as if almost comforting, protecting, holding space. So that's beautiful work. Mm. Um, mm. It really is. In mm. summer, they love lying down in the sand, so you end up with a horse's head in your lap. Now, <laughs> now, people come people come from the racing industry and say, Dean, do you drug your horses? Honestly, <laughs> tell me. I'm going, no, we love them. Give it a go. It works real well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it must be hard for them. Well, look, we're going to have to uh, call it a uh, the, in- the end of the interview. God, it was just so beautiful having you on, Dean. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for being the sponsor for the Go Well program this year. And, uh, yeah, great program, Kate. Well done. Oh, thank you so much. Well, it's been absolutely fantastic having you on board. We'll we'll talk again really soon. Um, we've got a bit of a celebration coming up for our one year anniversary, but um, yeah, let's let's talk soon. And uh, thanks so much for coming on today. Lovely to talk to you, Kate. And all the best to your listeners. And you know, during the lockdown, if you need help and support, reach out to someone. You yeah. know, you don't have to do this alone. Oh, good on you. Thanks so much.